One of my favorite times of the year is the holidays. I love when Thanksgiving starts all the way through Christmas. And there's something about that time because there's lots of parties, there's lots of eating, there's lots of festivities and fun. And the truth is, well, let me say it again. There's lots of eating and well, there's lots of eating. Matter of fact, as the holidays go on, my clothes begin to change. Maybe you guys can relate to that. My sweaters, I, I begin to wear more and more sweaters and darker sweaters. Why is that? Because I'm picking up five pounds. I'm picking up 10 pounds, but I got to tell you something. There's this thought in my mind that I know is in a lot of other people's mind that when we get to January, we're going to have a reset. When we get to January, we're going to go back to the gym and we're going to work all this weight off. There's something about the thought of a reset. Well, that happened this year and I was really excited. I got on a really good regimented, you know, workout program and started losing that weight. And man, I was feeling good about myself. And, and then, well, then this quarantine came. We hit March and then we went into April and, and all the pounds that we lost, somehow they found us. How many know what, exactly what I'm talking about? And the reality is, is that I'm excited about in my life, I need a reset. Well, I need a reset physically. How about you? But maybe it's not just a reset physically. Maybe as, as all of our country is re-engaging and as we are emerging from quarantine, maybe, maybe we need more than a reset just physically. Maybe there's a reset in our relationships. Maybe we've not tended to some relationships the way that We've needed to tend to that. Maybe it's a reset in your faith. Maybe you've been asking yourself questions that you've really never asked before because you've had a lot of time alone. You've had a lot of time thinking and you've had a lot of time reflecting on your life. Maybe it's a reset in your finances. You've experienced what so many have experienced around the globe. You've experienced some financial straits that you never thought you'd be in even months and months ago. And now you're, you're, you're challenged with some economic situation, some financial situation. And you, you really do need, you need a reset. Well, I believe that as negative and as painful and as hard as this time has been for so many people, so many of us in so many areas, I also believe it's given us an opportunity to press the reset button. I remember as a kid, I had a game that I loved and it was, it was a game that I played with my brother and, 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 and there was a button that you could push the reset and, and it was, the game would start all over again. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could push a reset button? Well, I believe that we can in so many areas of our lives. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great for all of us if we could have a fresh reset and even a restart in our relationship with God. You know, us starting afresh with God is based upon our perception of God. When I say God to you, what do you think about God? Now, if your view of God is that God is up there and he's really kind of mad at you and he's ticked off and he's out to get you and that's where a lot of people are, then you don't want a fresh start in God. Matter of fact, you want to run and get away from God. 
But that's not what the picture of the Bible. When I open my Bible, that, that's not the picture that I see of God. When I look in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I see how Jesus acted and, and how he loved people and how he forgave people and how he gave people life. Matter of fact, a theme verse for this talk and over the next month is going to be found in John chapter 10. Matter of fact, it is the mission statement of Jesus. It is the statement that both identifies the enemy strategy in our lives, and we do have an enemy. We have an antagonist, someone that's against us, but we also have a protagonist, someone who is for us. In John chapter 10, listen to the words of Jesus. This is so powerful. Jesus says this. He says, the thief, that's our enemy. That's your enemy. That's my enemy. The thief does not come except to steal. He wants to steal from us, steal our dreams and steal our hopes. And he, and he wants to kill us. And he also wants to destroy. He wants to destroy our purpose. But Jesus said, I have come. This is so powerful. You need to see this. Whatever your view of God is, whatever you've thought about God in the past, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. But he didn't just stop right there. And that you may have life more abundantly. I mean, that, this is so powerful. If we really believe this, if we really believe that, that God is not out to get us, but he's out to bless us, that he's out to help us, that he wants to forgive us and cleanse us and give us new life. I believe there'll be a, a whole re, a, a paradigm change, a reframing of, of, of our relationship with God. I believe that we will push a reset button. Now, one of the greatest examples in all of the Bible. It's actually found in the gospel where, where somebody started a relationship with God. It's a story that I remember as a kid in Sunday school. I, I remember singing a song. Now, I'm not going to sing the song for you, but I remember singing the song about a man named Zacchaeus. It's a very powerful story in the gospel. Matter of fact, it's found in the gospel of Luke chapter 19, where Jesus comes into a town. He comes into a town called Jericho, and the town is abuzz with so much excitement because, you know, wherever Jesus went in the Gospels, when we read about him in Matthew and, and Mark and Luke and John, and I mean, I mean, wherever Jesus went, there was always a buzz of people. The crowds would, would gather around Jesus because just the magnificent power that was on his life and the attractive nature and quality to his life and his teaching and and how he helped people. Well, once again, Jesus was coming into this town called Jericho. And, and, and as he's making his way through the street, there's this amazing encounter that he has with this man named Zacchaeus. Who is Zacchaeus? Well, he's a wealthy government official. He's from the top rung of the economic ladder. But there's a reason why, by the way. There's a reason why he was wealthy. And it wasn't because wasn't because he was a good man. It wasn't because he earned it the right way. You see, Zacchaeus was, he was a Jewish man, but he worked for the Roman government. Listen to what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 19, verse two, I love this story. It's so powerful. Here's what the scripture says. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. So we see here Zacchaeus is a, he's a man of prominence. Interestingly enough, the name Zacchaeus actually means pure and righteous, but he was anything but pure and righteous. No, the truth is he was, 
He was, well, he was, he was an, a corrupt man. He was, he was a man that, that stole from his own people. And here's how it worked. You see, as a Jewish man working for the Roman government, he would charge taxes. He would charge people. Let's say it was a 5% tax. He would actually double that and charge more than that. And he would, well, he would, he would take the top off of that and he would put it in his pocket. So he would give to the Roman government the taxes that were due for the Jewish people. And that's why tax collectors were so hated in the days of Jesus. But he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. In other words, he was the one that all the other ones worked for. So he was skimming it off the top and he was putting it in his pocket. So the Jewish people, oh, they hated tax collectors. And specifically a man like Zacchaeus because he was, he was the top. He was over all the rest of them. Well, so he, 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 was, he was not looked favorably upon at all by the Jewish people. Well, in Luke chapter 19, verse two, we notice that Zacchaeus, He's not only wealthy and he's not only successful by the world's standards, but, but, but he, knew that something, he knew that something was missing on the inside. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Steve? I'll tell you why. Look at verse three. So here's Jericho. Jesus is coming through and the crowds are around. Watch what Zacchaeus does. In verse three, it says, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was a, he was short of stature. Even people today, if they're honest, if they're honest, they would, they would admit that they have recollected in their own life. They have reconsidered in their own life. They have re-examined in their own life that possessions alone don't satisfy, that success alone doesn't satisfy. There are so many of you that you've achieved a lot and you've built great things. And, and I'll say this very respectfully, but, but now you've seen your world rocked and you've seen things changed and you've got to re-examine things. And you've got to realize that, that life does not consist in the abundance of things, but it consists in relationship, relationship with God and relationship with others. It consists with peace on the inside. And so there was something missing in Zacchaeus' life. And I believe this quarantine time, it's, it's, it's helped all of us to re-examine our motives, to re-examine what really is important. So Zacchaeus would be considered a seeker. He, he was seeking out Jesus. He was seeking out because he knew that there was something on the inside of him that was missing. Today, I want to talk to you about three steps to a reset with God and and wherever you are in your relationship with God, maybe there was a time when there was a vibrancy in your relationship with God, or maybe you're a seeker and, 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 and you've been tuning into this program. You've been watching us at Church of the King for a while and, and you're new to this whole thing. And even when I talk about the New Testament, you're like, you know, where is that? Well, there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. And I'm so honored that you're listening to me. And I hope that even over these last few months, that there's been, a, there's been a, a gentle awakening in your soul where you realize that there is something more. I want to talk to you about three steps to a reset with God. Number one, Zacchaeus went on what I would call a reconnaissance trip. In other words, he was searching out. If you understand anything about the military, when they go on reconnaissance trips, they, they, they send units into 
whether it's enemy territories, whatever. Why? To spy it out, to check it out. He was, Zacchaeus was, well, he was on a reconnaissance trip. Notice it doesn't read that Zacchaeus just wants to see Jesus. No, he wants to see who Jesus was. He was intrigued by the man named Jesus. He, he was intrigued by the crowds that followed Jesus. Why? There was something missing in his heart and he knew it. He was drawn to this man. Perhaps that's how some of you are feeling today, drawn to Jesus. I remember before I was a Christian. Oh, I knew there was a God. I knew God existed. I, I, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home and my parents, I mean, they would talk about Jesus all the time. I knew God was up there, but I wasn't sure who he was and how he related to my life. Matter of fact, I was a freshman at Tulane University and, and right before I gave my heart to Christ, which was right close to the halfway point of my freshman year, I, I remember I was, I, was, I was searching it out. I was, I was even reading different books and I, I was on a search. I was on a reconnaissance mission, just like Zacchaeus. Maybe that's where you are, reading books and searching and maybe even searching different world religions and watching different programs and, and, and you're, you're interested you're interested. You say, Pastor, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God designed you that way. Did you know that God created you more than just your body? You are more than just your body. You're more also than just your mind and your intellect. But you have a, a, a deep part of who you are. Some would call it a soul. Some would call it a spiritual side. And there's a thirst and there's a quest on the inside of you. And God designed you that way. The book of Ecclesiastes Chapter three, verse 11 says this, that God has actually put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. In other words, there's, there's, there's eternity. There's a, there's a spiritual vacuum that's in your heart and you and I try to fill it with so many things, but only God can. Maybe you're familiar with the name Blaise Pascal, who was a brilliant man and hundreds of years ago, and, 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 he, and he said a statement, and it's a very powerful statement. Here's what he said. There is a God-shaped vacuum on the inside of each one of us that no created thing can fill, but only the creator himself. I, I remember before coming to Christ, man, all the pursuit that I was on, all the things that I tried to do to, to fill a need that only God could fill, only Christ could fill. Maybe that's where you are. You are on a reconnaissance trip. And you're searching and you are seeking. Well, that's where Zacchaeus was. He was, he was seeking and he was, he was searching, but, but he had two problems. Number one, his first problem in this context was that he was, well, he was physically short and there was crowds and he couldn't see over the crowds. He was trying and he was, I could just imagine, he was just kind of jumping up and down. The problem was he wasn't from New Orleans. And if he was, he would have known at Mardi Gras parades, you can have a ladder and have a condo on top of a ladder. Okay, I'm just joking. But the reality is, is that he couldn't see over the crowd. And so he was, he was, he was in a challenge. He, so he had a, number one, he had a physical challenge, but more than that, he had a spiritual problem. See, the spiritual problem was is that, is that before you come to Christ, you and I, we were born with a fallen nature. And the Bible calls it a, a sinful nature. All of us. You don't have to teach somebody how to be selfish. 
We, we have a fallen nature. And, and before we come to Christ, our sin actually separates us from God. So number one, Zacchaeus was separated from Jesus because of his physical stature. He couldn't see above the crowds, but also his spiritual condition. He was separated from God. I love this scripture because it's so clear in the, to delineate where we are with God prior to Christ and then after we come to Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse two, it says, your iniquity, another word for sin in the Bible, your sin has separated you from God. So Zacchaeus was not a believer at that time. So he had a physical challenge, but he also had a spiritual challenge. I remember what it was like right before I came to Christ. I remember the hopelessness of my heart. I had a spiritual problem. It wasn't just an emotional problem. It wasn't just a mental problem. But it was a spiritual problem. I love Luke chapter 19, verse four, where the scripture goes on and it talks about Zacchaeus. It says, so he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus. For he was going to pass that way. Now I want you to think about Zacchaeus. Again, he's a resourceful man. He obviously had some level of ingenuity and resourcefulness to him, some level of leadership in his life to be in that position. And it was interesting. He, he, he was a little short guy. He was short. And, and so he thought, you know what? I'm just going to take off running and I'm going to run as fast as I can, which I think is a little bit humorous. You got this real wealthy guy running down the street. I mean, can you imagine whenever, I mean, trust me, everybody knew who he was. And here it is, man, he's just taking off running down the street. But where's he going? Well, he's going somewhere. There's a destination. He's going somewhere. It's funny to me when you begin to think about this, that, 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 that really, that, that it, it's an evidence of his hunger. He's running down the street. Think about that. He ran ahead and then he finally gets somewhere. He gets to a sycamore tree. Now, I want you to think about this. He's a wealthy, prominent, influential man. Think about this. And yes, he was short in stature. He couldn't see Jesus. He didn't want to miss out. And so he actually shimmies up a tree. Think about this. By the way, I've been to Israel and I, it's a very common tree, a sycamore tree. And, and you know how those trees will grow and they'll, they'll kind of cover, the, the, they'll grow and they'll, they'll, they'll arch over a, kind of like an oak tree today. You can even see that in, in uptown New Orleans, those oak trees where those, those branches will grow over St. Charles Avenue. Well, in a very similar way, these sycamore trees will grow up and they'll, they'll grow like this. So here it is, this wealthy, influential, shorter man climbs up a tree. Can you imagine what everybody's thinking? What is that guy doing? Well, the reality is Zacchaeus wasn't going to let anybody keep him back from Jesus anymore. He wasn't going to allow his friends. How many times we've allowed our friends? He wasn't going to allow public opinion. How many times have we allowed the opinions of others to keep us back from God? He wasn't going to allow his reputation. How many times we allow our reputation, what others think of us, what others think about us? How many times have we allowed that to keep us back from God. No, no. No, there was a line in the sand for Zacchaeus and he was gonna run and he was gonna climb up that tree and he was, listen, he didn't care what anybody thought about it. He was gonna see Jesus. Number one, the first thing that I see about this is that Zacchaeus recognized, even though he had affluence, even though he had great influence, he recognized the need. Question, do you recognize your need 
for God. Maybe this quarantine has awakened the reality in your life that your life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess. That there's a spiritual side to you that is empty and that is hungry. Number two. The second thing that I see here is, is the reaching out. Look at verse five. And we see, it appears Zacchaeus is the one reaching out to Jesus. Now watch this. There's a shift here. This is so powerful. The reality is, it wasn't Zacchaeus reaching out to Jesus. But it was actually Jesus reaching out to him. Watch. And when Jesus, in verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. So he's in the road. He looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. Jesus takes note. He takes note of Zacchaeus. Although we're not told why, he stops, he looks up, he looks up, and he calls Zacchaeus by name. Question, how does he know his name? I don't know that he's ever had any interaction with him prior to that moment. The Bible doesn't tell us that. One of the disciples don't tell us, they don't tell us that. But he knew his name. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. And he says, today, today, I must stay at your house. This is how it happens. Jesus makes the first move. I want you to hear me. We may think that we're the one reaching out to God, even that you think, man, you know, I just ran into this program or I'm watching this thing, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I'm just connected through technology. And well, the reality is, is that Jesus has been reaching out to you for a long time. Think about that aunt that used to pray for you all the time. Think about that mom or that grandma or that grandfather, when you were a little boy or a little girl, and, and, and when, when your neighbor kept inviting you to vacation Bible school, and your neighbor kept inviting you to that youth camp, or your friend, the reality is, is that we thought we were reaching out to God, but he was really reaching out to us. Zacchaeus thought he was reaching up to see Jesus, but the truth is, this was, a, this was in God's providence. That means God's plan. It was the perfect moment Jesus was actually reaching out to him. I think back in my life, how many people prayed for me before I became a believer. I think about in my life, how many people prayed for me before I trusted Christ as my savior. My mom praying for me, my dad praying for me. People in the church that I attended as a kid when I didn't know Christ as a teenager. How many people that were praying for me? What was that? It was God reaching out to me through their prayers, through their love, through their kindness. Oh, yes, he is. God's reaching out to you today because he loves you and he cares about you. It's interesting. Jesus gives the second part of the command. He says, I must stay at your house. Think about that for a moment. Why Zacchaeus? Why the must? The Pharisees, I wrote this down. The Pharisees and the religious leaders would say, Jesus should never enter Zacchaeus's house. No way. I mean, he was the worst of the sinners. By Jesus inviting himself to dinner, this is the only instance, by the way, the only instance in the four gospels where we read of Jesus inviting himself to someone's home for a meal, the only place. And why his house? They were aghast. Ha, huh, not Zacchaeus. Surely somebody else. Surely somebody, some holy person's house. Not Zacchaeus. But the reality is, is that Jesus comes for those that are not well. He comes for the hurting. He comes for the empty. He comes for the broken. 
He comes for the down and out and he comes for the up and out. He comes for those that are spiritually impoverished. And he begins to move into their lives and he, he begins to arrange cert, certain circumstances and scenarios. And why? Because, because he loves you and, and, and he's doing everything he can, everything to arrange circumstances, to arrange situations to come to your house. Well, the Bible says that Jesus actually invites himself over. Now, I'll say this, that's an interesting thing. I, I, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, it's even, it's even somewhat presumptuous when a friend invites, hey man, what are you having? I mean, even if somebody's your friend, think about that, and they invite themselves over for dinner, that's a stretch, but because of the rapport. But what if it's a total stranger? Well, that's what Jesus does. Why? Because he has a plan for Zacchaeus. And he has a purpose for Zacchaeus. And he was pressing in because this was the moment that Jesus knew Zacchaeus was going to change. Watch this. Look at the response. So number one, the reconnaissance. Zacchaeus was on a search. He's on a search. Just like many of you, you're on a search. But the reality is, is that you, you've, you've, your life has been filled with so many things. Some good, some bad. But it's never satisfied you. You've been drinking from a fountain that's never satisfied you. Number two, you've been reaching out. But the reality is you begin to see the narrative even of your own life that even though you thought you were reaching out, God was actually the one reaching back to you through that invite, through that email, through that online program, through that TV program, through being invited to Sunday school as a kid or a vacation Bible school or a youth group. God has been reaching out to you for years. Look at this last and final point here. This is so powerful. Look at the response. Zacchaeus doesn't waste any time getting down from that tree. Look at verse six. So he made haste and came down and he received him joyfully. Jesus said, jump, and Zacchaeus jumped. He comes down right away and welcomes Jesus joyfully into his home. But verse seven, all the crowd begins to mutter. Why? Because Jesus is going to that, well, to that unrighteous person's home. By the way, don't let anybody ever tell you that you've got to be righteous to come to the gospel, to come to Christ. You don't come to Christ with all of your good. You come to Jesus with all of your bad. And Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And we bring all of our bad, all of our junk. That's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that, is that we come just as we are life, death, burial of Christ and the resurrection of Christ that Jesus did on the cross for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I remember that lie in my life. In my life. When I was 19, I thought, well, if I just change myself and then I'll, pre I'll present myself to God. You don't present yourself to God. You come to Christ just as you are. Well, all the people in verse seven, they begin to mutter. Why? Because this is a corrupt man. This is an immoral man. This is an ungodly man. And Jesus, Jesus is going to his house. But Jesus had a plan. And Jesus has a plan. And he has a plan for your life. Watch what happens in verse 8. Watch, the, watch because God is working. God's working in Zacchaeus' heart. Man, this is so powerful. Look at verse 8. Behold, Lord, over dinner with Jesus, I think we can safely conclude by this response, you'll see in a moment, that Zacchaeus becomes a Christian. He yields his heart to Christ. And when he yields his heart to Christ, everything changes. It changes. There's a substantial change in his life. I've had people tell me for, for years, well, you know what? 
I tried Christianity. Well, no, 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 no. When you, when you listen, when you truly surrender to Christ, there's a change. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Of course not. Doesn't mean all your problems go away. Of course not. But something changes on the inside. I'll tell you what happens. You become born again. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. And you want to, you, listen, there's a new want to. There's a, there, it's not ought to. There's a new want to. You want to do the right thing. You want, and watch what happens as a kid. This is so powerful. Look at verse 8. Behold, Lord, watch this. He calls him Lord. Lord is the, the word master. He recognizes the lordship of Jesus in his life. Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will now give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Jesus has gone right to his heart. Oh, this is so powerful. I wrote this down. He was fully sold out to Christ. Jesus changed his heart. And now he wants to demonstrate that change through, through his repentance. Repentance. What is repentance? Repentance means I'm going one way. Boom. I turn and I go the other way. I was ripping people off. Now I'm going to be generous above all things. I was angry. I was mean. Now I'm going to be kind. What it is, there's a, there's a substantive change in the heart of a man or a woman that meets Christ. And he says, I'm going to give back. There's a reset. There's a, there's a change that happens. There's a, he, he goes, listen, and, and it's voluntary, by the way. Jesus, listen, he didn't tell him to do it. It was, it was, it was heart. It was, it was a heart revolution is what it was. So powerful. Zacchaeus is a different man after he meets Jesus, after he encounters Jesus. He gives half of his possessions to the poor. He makes restitution four times. It's just powerful. I, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm not telling, but I'll tell you this. When you truly meet Christ, you'll want to go and say you're sorry. You'll want to go do whatever you can within your power to make things right. I remember after I became a Christian, I, I mean, I was such a rotten person. And I still struggle at times with all my flesh. We all do. But I knew when I met Jesus and I want to do whatever I could do to make it right with old broken relationships, with my attitude towards my parents, with things that I knew that weren't right. And see, this is the mission of Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. And he's seeking you. See, see, the message started with Zacchaeus being the seeker, but the true seeker is not a person. It's God himself. He's seeking you. Look what the Bible says in verse 10. This is so beautiful. This is how it's, it ends. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. And God found him. And we were lost. And I was lost for 30 years ago. And God found me. I thought I was searching. Well, the reality is, is that he was the one that was seeking me. He was convicting me and drawing me and inviting me and doing everything. Listen, there was so many things. When I look back, oh man, God, God was in a good way. God was pursuing me and he's pursuing you because he loves you and he cares about you. And he doesn't, listen, he doesn't want you living in torment. He doesn't want you living in, 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 in emptiness, in sorrow. Sure, we experience pains in life, but there is a life and there's a joy and there's a cleansing that comes to the believer when they trust Christ as their Savior. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've never come to the moment where you've truly put your faith in Christ, where you've said yes to Jesus, where you said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me, Make me new. 
Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you right where you are. Would you bow your head with me right where you are? If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I'm going to pray for you. And matter of fact, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to pray, it's called a, a, a prayer of salvation. And these words, even though I'm saying these words, let these words be your words. Because this is a moment, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. But Jesus can. He is the one that saves. He's come to seek and to save that which is lost. Would you pray this with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this, say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you. You don't have to be afraid to be real with God. He wants to work in your life. So open up to Him. His plans for you are good. And if you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ today, please text DECISION2020 to 25827. Or let one of your online hosts know. We want to be able to connect with you and give you the steps to grow in your relationship with Christ. In order to help you experience that reset button in your life, in just a moment, Pastor Danny and Missy are going to give you three important steps to do just that. God bless.